Hey, everybody. I am uh, currently now at about 30,000 feet or more above the uh, Pacific. I uh, caught a plane a few hours ago headed towards the United States. And uh, I'm going to surprise my family. As long as they don't listen to this, I, mean, I don't think I'll be able to upload it before they know. But uh, I'm, I've decided that uh, during this Christmas holiday, it might be nice to spend it with my family in Detroit. Ryan uh, left yesterday, bound for his family in L.A. Uh, he packed up his trike, uh, Bluda, and uh, boxed it up tight. Did a pretty good job of it. And uh, he is uh, on his way back to Los Angeles. Actually, he's in Los Angeles now. Um, hope he landed well and, and that he's doing okay there. This is the uh, Jayo Nation podcast. And uh, it's not on the road at the moment. Uh, it's going to be taking a sabbatical from trike riding uh, until after I uh, summit Mount Everest. Uh, I uh, feel like my knee is at a stage where I should just focus on rehabbing it and getting as healthy as possible and then climbing Everest in March. If I was to try uh, to rehab the knee and then get back on the road, there's a possibility that uh, I would just put myself in uh, another bad knee scenario. And I think that right now, uh, you know, took, took a couple of weeks off, then got back on the road, ran into problems again. The doctor recommended another three weeks off. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to cut my losses until after Everest and try and focus on my knee. Currently, I'm standing um, in a hallway. The drone of the plane, which normally serenades me to sleep, is now serenading everybody else to sleep. And uh, I'm standing near the bathrooms, the lavatories. Uh, so if you hear a door open, I might have to get out of the way <laughs> while somebody lumbers into the bathroom. It's funny living in China, you get used to these long flights. Uh, this, is a, this is a direct flight from, uh, from Beijing all the way to uh, Detroit. It's about 13, 14 hours. We have 9 hours and 11 minutes left. And uh, it's nice to be completely unplugged. That's uh, one of the things I liked about the trike, although, you know, even there you're plugged in and you've got internet and things. But um, this is the ultimate unplug because you can't access anybody. You can't send emails. Yet I, I kind of paused afterwards because I'm, I'm staring at a you know, hundred... Uh, movie screens that are staring people in the face and they're watching everything from David Letterman episodes to the Scorch Trials, which I just finished, uh, new blockbuster hits, old blockbuster hits, comedies, whatever. So I guess as far as being unplugged goes, I think you'd do better to be uh, lost your phone in the desert. That's probably the highest uh, form of being unplugged that you could get. Uh, yesterday was interesting. Um, 
I, I arrived back in Ningbo uh, with Annie, and uh, she uh, had some business that we had to do, actually my business too, uh, in Guangzhou to meet a factory and do a factory visit and things. And I had to get uh, to my home before Christmas. So when I did the factory visit, which was uh, on, on the other side of China's uh, um, east coast, I uh, I decided to simply stay there an, a, a night and then leave directly from there on my flight bound for uh, the states. So uh, on a, on my recent climb uh, up Mushtaga Ata, we ran into a lot of really good friends, and they live in the area that I was uh, staying at yesterday, and they invited us all out to all out for dinner, and uh, Chinese people they like to drink. And uh, normally starts with uh, with red wine for me, beer for them. They love beer, but the beer here is a brand called Qingdao, and it's very very weak. It's like drinking water almost. So I like to drink the red wine because I enjoy the the buzz I get. And I I put back two bottles of red wine by myself. You know, when you're sitting at a table with a bunch of people speaking in a language so quick that you can't follow, the only thing that you can do is read your phone uh, or drink and or eat. <laughs> and uh, I did the, the latter, which was um, drinking. And so as they were chit-chatting about things that uh, I couldn't quite follow, I was putting back the red wine and putting it back and putting it back and putting it back and cheersing and cheersing and cheersing. And then came the Motai. Motai, uh, you know what? I'm going to play a little clip here from last night. I sent my uh, sister some messages, and uh, I will preface it with, there is some foul language in here, but it'll give you a good idea uh, what condition I was in yesterday. I will tell you right now, I'm in Shenzhen. I am totally fucked up. I'm trying to listen to your messages with an open mind. And it's working mostly. But mostly, also, I'm fucked up. I'll give you a little Chinese lesson. In China, they have what's called rice wine. And the best rice wine, like, uh, like, uh, uh, brand is called Motai. And Motai is like drinking fucking paint thinner. I drank a lot of Motai. And Annie is pointing where I should walk because I'm not quite knowing where to walk. So yeah, Motai is rice wine. And it was the uh, cherry on top of last night. You know, I've lived in China for so long that things like drinking rice wine and all, all of these sort of cultural elements are sort of normal, you know. Uh, I would love to be able to bring my friends from home here and introduce them to some of the cultural things that I've became so accustomed to. Uh, Ryan is like my best friend, but he's lived in China almost as much as I have, so there's no real, like... Uh, surprises for him. There's no like wow moments where I can say, look at this, you know, look at this. Although um, just before we left Ningbo, I did have a very interesting 
uh, meal. Uh, it was a first time for me, and actually it was a first time for Annie to have this type of a meal. You know, the uh, culinary habits, the food habits of Asia are vastly different from uh, this, the States and from the Western world. And the deeper you get into the culture, the more odd it gets. You have egg, black eggs, and black chicken, and... Uh, you know, um, lots of things in soy sauce and vinegar, and uh, you've got all sorts of living organisms that you're cooking at tables, boiling them, you know, uh, live shrimp and whatnot. And we went to this restaurant the other day. Uh, Ryan was bagging up his trike at the time, and so he couldn't come, which was kind of a shame because it would have been something that he would have been able to get really get a kick out of it. it was very unique although he did leave a message with me and said that everything kind of creepy crawling along the uh, along the dinner table there he wouldn't have eaten anyway so he was kind of thankful that he didn't go so let me lay this out for you you walk into this room it's a restaurant and the restaurants uh, a lot of restaurants in china have individual rooms so you'll be a family or a group of four or more and you'll go into your own room with your own big dining room table most of them have uh, their round shape and they have a gigantic lazy susan which uh, circles the food around everybody gets the same amount of plates on the table that they can feed from. It's not like Western style where you get a steak and a potato on your plate. Nobody else can touch me. My plate, it's mine. It's very social in China. And this was no exception. But there were, instead of the lazy Susan, it was like a gigantic steam plate. Um, steam, which was cooked outside the restaurant was pumped in via pipes underneath the main table and fed into a valve system that would fill the center table with steam, hot steam. What would you steam? Well, it was it was the oddest thing I ever saw. It was huge uh, sections. Let's, let's think of it like a uh, pumpkin pie cut into quarters. Each piece of the pie, let's just say, is a, is a chunk of the table that they carry in. And they must be made of aluminum because they can carry them in. They're not so heavy. But they lay them in like, uh, like cookie cutter style until the whole pie is formed, all, all, all the quarters. Each quarter has a plethora of stuff on it. I mean, you could have fed an, a small army with the amount of food that they had there. And it was all raw. Now, one of them had breads and some stuffed dumplings. Another one had some uh, fish just laid out on the ready to be steamed. One of them had, um, they, they bind crabs up alive. Uh, they're, they're small crabs and they bind up their hands and uh, they, they actually, you could touch them in the eyes and they kind of react and their little mouths are kind of trying to scream or whatever but the Chinese love to eat them and they love to steam them and there was a whole side dedicated just to the crabs my interest was focused on the, four, the fourth quadrant which was shrimp and mantis shrimp uh, you know regular shrimp and then a shrimp called mantis shrimp it was very uh, interesting because there was probably maybe a hundred of these things of these shrimp, big shrimp big mantis shrimp and uh, they're all alive. They're literally jumping out of the table onto uh, 
onto us as we as we're kind of like looking at this thing and they're 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 jumping and 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 falling into other plates of food and and, and they're just kind of gasping you know because it's like they're they're death throes you know and so I'm watching this I'm like what are you what are they gonna do like because I didn't realize what what exactly this restaurant's MO was until they brought in this huge cone that they put over the entire table and they put this cone over the entire table all four quadrants now are inside this this aluminum cone and then they go under the table and they turn on this valve and and they steam them and uh, all you know every, everything it gets cooked right at the table right in front of you I, I'm not doing uh, the story of this meal very much justice but I did take some really cool videos and I'll put those in the uh, in this in the section here so you can see but it was very interesting it was a very great meal and it was just another one of those Chinese moments where I said you know wow if my friends back home could try this if my friends back home could see, you know, having the ability to have all these experiences is great. But oftentimes you can't relate these stories to people back home. They just either the, their life, lives are so um, different that they just can't really appreciate it. They, they would be able to appreciate it, I think, that if you could sit them down at that table and enjoy it, and, and hopefully via the videos, they can appreciate it like that because that's why I take a lot of these videos so that I can share my life with everybody around the world, you know? So, but but th this moment was, was even exciting for me and, and a lot of the excitement that I used to have for everyday things in China has, has faded. So it was nice to have a moment where I was like, wow, this is really, really interesting. You know, uh, talking about friendships makes me think about Ryan and uh, and this trip, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's bitter. It's not even bittersweet. It's, it's sweet that I can go back to the United States for Christmas and maybe I can focus on getting ready for Everest. But mainly it's bitter. Ryan had been waiting to come on this trip. He has had some uh, struggles himself, and timing was right. And the ability for my best friend, who is is my travel companion, he's he's a guy that I can travel with, you know, to come with me uh, on at least the beginning portion of this thing until I get to Everest was really beautiful. And. Then having to tell him that I'm out for now and knowing that for him that means going back to Los Angeles uh, with no job. You know, he didn't have, he literally was open for this opportunity. And not a lot of people can say that they're open for an opportunity like this, you know, to, to say, I don't have a job. I don't necessarily have all these things tying me down. I can go and enjoy this kind of amazing adventure. Um, the timing was perfect for him. But now, with, with the trip cut so short again, uh, with regards to him on it, he's got to face reality of his life now and try to put things together for himself. And, you know, I feel a lot of that is my fault, you know. He, uh, 
he obviously chose to come on this trip with me, but I helped him with the trike. I helped him get all set up, and I was was really and truly excited about him traveling with me for the number of months. And what ended up happening was a short trip to Taiwan and then uh, knee damage and strife and drama. And now he's going back home. And I can't help but feel he might have a little resentment towards me a little bit, you know. Uh, Makes me feel like I'm destined to travel as a solo traveler, you know. I think that for me personally, that might just be the best way to go. People might be able to come and visit and and take small chunks of this trip as an opportunity in travel, but just the form and format of my journey doesn't easily lend itself to... Uh, having like a long-running partnership on it you know and it's sad uh, because I am a social guy but I just think that because you know I, I canceled I, I canceled because of my knee and because of that he was affected and he didn't want to travel alone uh, so so his 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 trip ended and i think that if i travel alone without anybody then no matter what happens i can i am the only um person being afflicted with whatever strife or drama might happen another instance is is the fact that you know i i enjoyed the editing of the videos and i didn't really do a lot of videos on the road i felt I felt guilty, you know, because um, I, I, one thing I realized is I spent a lot of time editing those videos on the road, like days and days of reviewing videos, editing clips and doing all this stuff. And when I was with Ryan, I felt like if I lived that lifestyle and I, if I did it that way, Ryan would be spending most of his time waiting, you know. And it was, I felt like it wasn't fair for him. So that brings me back to thinking that if I want to travel this Jayo method with making those videos and doing, doing the way I used to do it with the travel logs or even trying to tone it down a little bit, it would require me to travel solo, you know, so that I can bunk up for four or five days and edit a video and I don't have to... Um, worry about leaving my friend hanging, you know, because I do enjoy the videos. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, yet again, I'm taking a step back and I can think about what's going on. And uh, I can, uh, there's a bunch of people trying to use the bathroom here, (laughs) but uh, I can kind of take a look at things and make improvements and try and learn from the past and uh, move forward in a better way. And uh, I just don't, uh, I don't know if having somebody travel with me is a, is a way that is the best for my tour. And everybody's travel is different. Everybody's tour is individualistic. So um, what works for me might not work for others and other people might need companionship on the road 
and albeit I loved having Ryan with me, I, there was sometimes I felt uh, bad, you know, like I'm 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 I've got a bad knee, you know, I'm creating creating these pauses and and the fact that you know a lot of time requires me in front of the computer, and I felt felt bad about that too. I don't know if he knows exactly, you know, how I felt, but I tried to, you know, I tried to just enjoy my time with my friend, and now it's uh, it's come to an end. It's uh, sad. Anyways, um, I am excited about uh, getting to the States, though. It's been a while since I saw my family. I think uh, if you watch the Travelogue reboot, you could see that I recently visited my uh, niece, and uh, I'll be going back there again, uh, this time uh, right around Christmas. Now, this is very interesting because my family has never seen my Santa Claus. <laughs> and uh, they don't know the, the extent other than my pictures of my Santa suit. Uh, when I moved to China after my first year in China, I... I don't know exactly how it, I know how it happened. I was heading up, uh, spearheading a group. I, I called a group, the Asia English Business Network, and I was trying to network my company with people in Ningbo. And I had this event, and, and I met people in the neighborhood, and I tried to grow my business via relationships. And uh, other things that I was doing was I was organizing events through my group. And one of the events I organized was a holiday bazaar. And I said, you know, the holiday's coming. We all have uh, relationships with factories that make different products. Why don't we, you know, pool our resources together and create like a little market for the foreigners in the area as well as the Chinese people that are interested in, you know, getting into the holiday spirit. Um, and I kind of have a, a goofy spirit myself, so I uh, found a uh, cheap Santa suit and dressed up as Santa Claus. Uh, and sat in a big chair and took pictures with kids. Uh, and I got a lot out of it. It was so fun. Uh, I even had my ho-ho-ho down. And really, really, it really, really was fulfilling for me during the holiday to dress up like Santa. But I didn't like the suit. It was one of those, you know, cheapo suits, you know, made of felt. And uh, it didn't even last the, the one holiday season, it was pretty much a one-time deal. So, um, you know, in China, they make almost anything. <laughs> They're the producers of the world right now. So I tracked down a seamstress and looked up a few different uh, Santa Clauses that I thought were really nice, and I created a, uh, a Santa suit for myself. It included everything from the Santa jacket with a belly suit underneath, the Santa pants, the Santa cloak that went over everything, a big fat Santa hat, and uh, even a satin uh, Santa bag with a braided gold rope that uh, I would go uh, in future Christmases uh, and load up with toys and jingle bells and then walk through the streets of Ningbo, China, uh, as Santa Claus. This wasn't necessarily for anything, although I did sometimes do parties. I just enjoyed the act of getting out there and, and exposing some people to a big, tall, uh, genuine-looking Santa. I even had uh, the beard and, and wig 
shipped from the United States cost me <laughs> a little bit of money. Even the I had the eyeglasses, uh, white gloves. Golly, I I was uh, a decked out Santa Claus, and uh, every every year I'd walk around, give out this uh, the jingle bells. I I had my uh, Chinese phrases down. You know, ni shi wan ni shi wan means uh, what's your favorite color. And I would say, ho, 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 and then I'd say, they'd say, a red, and then I'd give them a red jingle bell, you know. I didn't want it to necessarily be so uh, materialistic. I, I just wanted to put smiles on people's faces. So the jingle bells was a perfect, it was the perfect medium because you could shake it and jingle it and the kid's face would light up, but it wasn't like giving them an Xbox, you know? First of all, I couldn't afford it. And second of all, uh, I just wanted to give them a little bit of a holiday spirit, not give them, oh, this is this guy is giving toys, you know? So it was very nice. And, and the, every year I got a little bit more excited about it. And uh, this year, in the cargo hold beneath my feet, is the Santa costume. And uh, much of my family, hopefully they don't listen to the podcast because when I arrive, I'm going to do the circuit around my family and uh, family parties and, and, and surprise everybody as Santa Claus. I think it's going to be really, um, really fun. So um, the only problem is over the years, the red has bled into the white and uh, I'm, I'm like a... I'm like a Santa Claus, but the white, uh, beautiful, bright white suit uh, taping, you know, areas like on the hat and the ball at the top of the hat and things are, are a little bit pink. I'm hoping that I can enlist the, uh, the services of either my, uh, my mom or dad or somebody to help me uh, get that white again so that I can, uh, you know, really, really razzle-dazzle. So, so that's one of the, you know, one of the silver linings that, uh, that I can kind of glean out of this is the fact that I can kind of go home and introduce my family to my Chinese Santa Claus, which is probably one of the most awesome Santa Clauses most people will see. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah, American Santas are pretty, pretty awesome. But as far as China goes, it's, uh, it, was an, it was a fantastic Santa Claus and, and made a lot of people happy. The other thing that I'm bringing along with my Santa costume is the MRI scan of my knee uh, from the first uh, MRI and then the MRI scan of my knee from the second. Now, just to give you an update on my knee and exactly what was wrong, um, Ryan and I had went and gotten the MRI and... uh, when they uh, told me to come back and get a, get uh, get talk to a doctor about the MRI, I had uh, come back, and the MRI actual scan and report wasn't ready. Now, when you get an MRI in China, I think it's everywhere. They the MRI scan goes to a department where a person sits there and analyzes it, and then they give a report. And then that report is printed along with the scans, and you come and pick up the scans. But my scan and report wasn't ready. But the scans were still in the computer in the system of the hospital. So I went to one of the doctors, and I told them, you know, to give me their opinion. That was when Ryan was in the room, and the guy said, you know, it doesn't look that bad. There is some sort of a problem, but it's not a big deal. 
and um, yeah, you can climb Everest, you can ride bikes, whatever, in three weeks, it's no problem. Uh, it was a very positive report, and uh, not that I didn't want a positive report, but I, I didn't want, I want the truth. You know, I want to know what I'm looking at so that I can recover in the best way possible, and I don't, don't make a mistake like last time, like starting too early. So uh, later on, I went and got the report, and uh, I had it translated. It was in Chinese, and it's talking about fluid. And there's two pockets of fluid on the left and right of the knee. Actually, it's, it's, it in a way is almost a little worse than it was before. Um, the tear itself seems to have closed, but uh, there's all these ancillary problems, auxiliary problems. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan caught me on one of my vocabulary flubs on the last podcast. He's like, you use that word really improperly. But I want to say axillary. Anyways, uh, so the, uh, the, the doctor uh, report, when it came out, it said some things that the guy couldn't necessarily see on his quick scan of the, of the MRI on his computer screen. So what I wanted to do is put all of that stuff in my bag, bring it to the United States, talk to a, talk to a guy in English that can look at them and tell me what I'm looking at. So that's on my list of to-dos while I'm in the States. Now, I'm only uh, set to stay in the States for two weeks, after which I'm going to go uh, back to Ningbo, back to China. Um, I'm trying to do as much as I can in these two weeks as far as uh, checking out things and getting, uh, saying hi to the family, also staying off the knee and keeping my legs straight during the whole thing. Santa Claus is going to have like a club foot, it's going to look like, because <laughs> he's going to be walking with a stiff leg. So I'm on my way to do that. And uh, then when I finish and get all the information, I can come back to Ningbo and, and really hit hard uh, the program to rehab my knee while also trying to build muscle and prepare for Everest. Um, I am really planning to get into the, the best shape of my life in the next three months uh, before Everest. And... Uh, a lot of that is going to have to happen while I recoup my knees, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, this podcast is just a kind of an update, let you know how things are going. While I get in the, uh, in the States again, I think I will actually do some podcasts maybe with my family or talk to them and see, see what their opinion of, of the world travel is and catch up on old times and keep in touch. I'm also planning to do a lot more with the website and get into some finer points with preparing videos and things uh, on that as well. So there's a lot of things to do. Just got to keep it, keep it rolling. Ho, ho, ho. Everybody out there, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, or whatever you celebrate down the, on this time of year. And uh, I'll catch you on the backside of the holiday. I'll try and uh, edit this so that it comes out on, uh, on Christmas or just before. So anyways, happy holidays and jayo.